0: Love Talk Radio. My brothers and sisters, fellow entrepreneurs around the globe, it is 0, 0600 hours Eastern Romeo, a few nautical types,
1: 1100
0: hours Greenwich or Zulu time. This is Rudder Radio, your guide to thrive in any economy. And I'm William Eastman, Managing Partner for Applied Knowledge Labs of North America with offices in Calgary, Alberta, Las Vegas, Nevada, Kansas City, Missouri, and our recently opened Atlantic Regional Office in Richmond, Virginia, which is originating today's show. And um, we are a company that is changing the formula of success for companies between zero and 50 million in revenue. And I'm your host for the next 30 minutes. And today's show is on intellectual leadership, the best practice of. And a very interesting one, and I'm kind of excited about it because we actually, as we do a lot of research, Um, new things pop up, and we have some new things in here, things that we have not featured before. But before I do that, we have some administrative that needs to be taken care of. So first of all, if you'd like to join us online in the chat room, you can do so by clicking the Chat Now button on our show page, which you will find at blogtalkradio.com slash the rudder, T-H-E hyphen R-U-T-T-E-R. Or you can dial in directly, get on the switchboard, and get on the air at 347 215-7471. That's 347 215 7471. You can uh, tweet us, not tweet, I'm not a bird, so go to Twitter. And uh, W Eastman, W E A S T M A N, is my handle, and you can reach me there. And I will be multitasking, monitoring the switchboard, the blog, site, Twitter, and chat room. And speaking of the blog, uh, we. Uh, we put our show notes on our blog. You'll find that link on our show page, or you can Google it by typing in the Rudder uh, blog, r u t t e r, and it should come up above the fold. Okay, so where are we in the series? Well, as we do, as we start every show, we say where do we stand right now to provide the context. We've done, we're in the middle of our third. Well, almost. Now. We're about a quarter of the way through our third series. We've done two series previous to this. One was on the stages of fast growth, and you can find that by going to our show page and looking into the archives. And we talked about the six stages of growth that companies go through. And what the whole issue is is growth is the growth is predictable, the stages are predictable. The demands on the owner are predictable. The demands on the organization are predictable. The things that you have to do correctly are predictable, and your failure points are predictable. So it's a matter of if you know it, you can manage it. So I recommend that you check those out. Uh, second series we did was on strategy. And the specifics of this was that as we looked at these companies that went from zero to billion, zero to IPO, zero to market domination, not just leadership, but the, the main dog in the junkyard, they had all of them. All of them had kind of a distinguishing, distinguishing set of criteria that they use to establish their uh, business strategies, and we covered those in uh, in the next series of shows. And there were six elements. So, if you want, you can also go to our archive page, and I recommend you download those and uh, listen to them as well because they have some real uh, uh, relevance to today's show. Now, today, what are we doing now? Well, this is this is show six two eight. Nine zero four. So if you want to go find it, you can download it. It is show number thirteen of the forty three that we have in the series on best practices of fast and sustainable business growth. And today's best practice is intellectual leadership. And what excites me is that uh, I said we are a business research company, and I'm going to stop here in a couple minutes to talk a little bit more about that. But fundamentally, there's two types of research we do. One is called meta research, and meta research is nothing more than reading all the stuff that's going on out there, and Looking at the information that our, our listeners, the business owners, our clients, our suppliers, uh, our partners, things that are happening that are published, most of the information you need to not only be successful in business but to be dominant in business is available. The challenge you've got, one, is where to find it. Number two is once you found it, what to do with it. That's what we do. And so on the meta research side, we watch what's happening, what is the research done by other people, look at their conclusions, look at their data, and and see how it fits. The second piece of research we do is what we we call around here micro uh, research. And the micro research is that we took a look at the performance of our clients over the last three and a half years since uh, we went live with our products in 2006, and we look for patterns there. And what's interesting is that both in our meta research, uh, and in the meta, the market research that we do, we're seeing some new trends and patterns develop. So we actually have added a third attribute or a third behavior to this best practice, and uh, this morning is going to be the first time we roll that out. Well, let me start off with the definition of what, what do I mean by intellectual leadership. Well, intellectual leadership is the company's ability to establish thought leadership in its industry by either being first or early to take advantage of new, and you can fill in the new. New opportunities, new market segments, new technology. In other words, you're kind of first in the space. And what this gets at is is how do you use market intelligence? Um, The the major failing of most small businesses, and when we talked about the lessons learned uh, around market intelligence, we talked about that last week, uh, one of the lessons learned was that almost almost without exception, all small business startups start with a dearth or lack of sound market intelligence. In other words, they're really, really, really operating on the personal knowledge of the owner or the ownership team and kind of their intuition about the market. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but one of the challenges it gives you is that you really don't know for certain before you start um, whether you have produced the right products and services to the right customer, targeted customer base, and that you have the right message. And What happens in stage two, which is when you go live and you open the doors and say, okay, now we're in business, is you need to be reasonably close to right. Because if you're not, then you're not going to get any traction, you're not going to make any sales, and you can't be sure is that, did you build the right thing? Does it have the right features in it? Um, or do are you built the right thing, but you're going after the wrong customers? Um, customers you're going after either don't really have this need, don't see the need, or don't have the financial wherewithal to pay for it. Um, and so that is kind of the challenge you got in the business. And, of course, the, you, you could have the first two right and it could be a messaging issue is that the way that you're promoting your brand, the way that you're marketing, the way that you're selling isn't resonating with them. So you got the right people you got the right products, but somehow the message is confusing or just doesn't inform them or doesn't excite them. And so all of that really is where you test that out in stage two. And stage three, which is the next act, is say, okay, we've made enough money to stay in business. Business idea is fairly sound. Now what do we do? And that's when the application of market intelligence comes in. And what a, what a lot of small businesses and startups find themselves doing is that their first real market, their first real market intelligence started at stage two. They get collecting real-time, visceral, face-to-face, uh, belly button-to-belly button type of data. And now in stage three, what they're doing is going, okay, we we really do need to do a better job of understanding the market we're in, understanding the customers, understanding the competitors. But what Intellectual Leadership is about is how do I apply that? Because market research, market intelligence, whatever you want to call it, has many, many, many different applications. And this is about one of those applications of that data. Okay, we got it. What do we do with it? And so there are three three attributes or three sets of behaviors uh, that we see here. And the last one is brand new. First time that we've talked about it, uh, we made a decision last week as we were looking at some research to say, well, let's, let's say go, let's add this to the list. Let's basically turn it on in the database begin to collect data on it. All right, so the first one is applying market intelligence, as I, I kind of led into or alluded to. And that is the collecting, interpreting, and sharing of knowledge about the markets and that this is a core function, a core competence of the company. And I don't think I can emphasize this too much, is that uh, how well you collect market intelligence alone without, without, without being concerned with how do you use it. There, there are many applications, but right now is we've got to say to ourselves as a company, we need an ongoing process, or an ongoing function, about how we understand what's happening, uh, how people are responding to us, what is going to happen. And so how do we apply that information in the firm and as a core competence? And that, that's the need to collect and use management intel. Uh, this is one of its key applications, and this starts at stage three. This is really a stage three. Now, what happens in a lot of small companies is since they haven't really done any market intel, this one gets kind of delayed or this gets bundled together with the others. Now we talked about this when we were doing stage three. By the way, if you want to go to the archives and download that show, it is show six one six two zero nine, where we talked about that, that next act, you catch your breath, you say okay, we thought of X, we went to market, here's the response to our products. Here is our interaction with who we thought our customers were. This is the way our uh, message was received and interpreted. And you kind of say, okay, given that, what do we know? Because all startups, at the beginning stage of all startups, you're naive. You're absolutely naive about what is happening. And it's only after that second stage when you've got to sell it that you really get that information. And so this is how do I apply that intelligence in the firm? The second one is around developing future capabilities. And this is a stage six operation, but let me define it first, talk about it, and then come back. Okay? And this is, this, is about, this is about collecting information and applying that information about future opportunities. And that is really the catalyst behind internal improvement. I mean, you have your own information about how well you're doing but you don't necessarily know how well you're doing in reference to what. And one of the themes that uh, we that are that is core to our message, and I, I'm sure that we've in the in the 33 shows that we've done up to today, um, we constantly emphasize the concept of lowest cost producer lowest cost producer and I want to come back to that again and again and again because in order to become the lowest cost producer you have to be able to benchmark yourself against somebody well if you're not out there collecting market intel applying it toward continuous improvement in the firm then it's very very difficult to develop future capabilities and um, on our next show which is going to be uh, a week from Monday on um, Migration management, this is going to become absolutely essential because migration management, the next best practice says, it's the analogy I've been using about you don't go to where the puck is, you go to where the puck will be. And what this is really about is taking a look at values in a very very dynamic market, how you provide value to the customers is never static, it never stands still, it's always changing. If you're reading the marketplace very well and you're staying on top of that, you begin to get a sense for what, what's new. What are the threats that are to, the, to your offer that you need to either one, uh, improve against or you could say to yourself, maybe it's time to abandon those markets. Well, developing the future capabilities is saying to yourself, all right, what do we need to do in the future? Because it could be that the change in the market is some is going to be in areas that we're currently either we don't do anything with or we don't, we're not very good at it. And so that fits into stage six. And if you want to download the, st- uh, the presentation on stage six, that is show 577322. Two. And what that is about is basically this, is that when you get to stage six as a company, Stage six is a decision that the owners made. And if I can do a quick review of that, stage five is when the company has gone through its major growth spurt and then you have kind of a slowdown, which you need, because after that everybody's kind of tired, wore out, cranky. And so what you're doing in stage five is you're kind of going, whoa, kind of like stage three, you catch your breath, what do we do now? The choice that the owners of the firm have at this point is to sell it, to reinvent it, or to let it decline. And what a lot of business owners do is they, they try to cling to this stage and say, wow, we finally made it. Well, you know you have it because nothing in nature is static. Um, you either are improving or declining. You're either growing or you're shrinking. Those are really the only options you have in business. And so if you decide not to sell the company, and as we've said many times, your company will never be worth more than it is in stage five, your decision is not to sell it. Um, and your decision is not to let it begin to decline, then you've got to say to yourself, okay, we need to reinvent ourselves. And that whole reinvent, whole reinvention is around two things. One is external, one is internal. The external is to say, what is happening in the marketplace? And what do we need to do about our products and services to improve them? Um, or what new products and services do we need to deliver? Um, do we have customers in the present markets that we go after that uh, that we haven't excuse me that we haven't gone after? Can we take our products and services as they exist and can we move into new markets Do, do our current customers uh, are they changing in a way that we need to offer them new products and services, or if we really want to expand the business, do we develop new products and services and go after new customers? so you you have a wide range of options, but you have a group of people who's focused on what is the future going to bring us, and let's begin to position ourselves now. On the other side of that is it's a role, and what you're looking at here is that one is benchmarking yourself against other companies in the industry to say we think that we are the lowest cost producer in a way that that we around here define the lowest cost producer is this, Um, do we do it better, faster, and for less? well, how do you know it? You could be delusional thinking that, well, we've got our costs down to where we are in this particular process. We have a gross margin. Let's say 65% um, based on our price. What if we find out that the industry average is really 70%? Uh-huh. So now we ought to find a way of pulling more out. and so. With the second attribute around developing future capabilities is it's a stage six operation, and that is trying to identify what are the opportunities, and I could say threats that should be driving internal improvement, and it is really the core application of market intelligence as it's used to reinvent the company, OK, and drive innovation. Well, let's stop and talk a little bit about the uh, applied knowledge labs in the company. I said, it, I said in the opening that we are a business research company. and Let me define that a little bit more because it makes it sound like we're a bunch of people working in uh, academia or we're working in a university. Nothing is further from the truth. Our company is made up of entrepreneurs. Our company is made up of uh, executives from large corporations. Our firm is made up of researchers. Uh, but we're basically, we're all business people. And we cut our teeth in business. Uh, the most junior person in the firm has been in business 20 years. Uh, I've been in this industry for 30 and been working for about 40 years, 45 years. So we understand small businesses. I personally have done five startups. And if we look around the executive team in our company, we probably have tw- 10, 12 startups. I think numbers someplace in there, probably 11 startups to be accurate. And so we understand the business marketplace and we understand the challenges that small, business on, uh, small businesses and entrepreneurs have. So what I mean by business research is this. We look at what's going on, we take crude. That's the way we see it. It's like oil coming out of the ground. It's wonderful stuff, but you can't use it yet. And somebody's got to take it, somebody's got to refine it, somebody's got to turn it into something that is usable. And that's what we do. We are an information refinery. We look at what's going on and we say, now, how do we take that information and make it into something that the small business owner can and will use? And so what that gives us is gives us a line of products. We have uh, two products. We have an assessment and survey as our first line of products. And what they do is they look at where your company is, looks at looks at your company's readiness for growth, or looks at specific issues such as customer uh, enthusiasm, employee engagement, uh, process quality. It really doesn't matter. We have only over 30 surveys that look at specific areas of the business, or we have one large assessment, organizational diagnostic, for lack of a better term, called forecast, that gives you a complete checkup on the company. The end result of that is it says, here's where you stand today. Here are the obstacles you've got to remove. Here are the opportunities you need to accelerate on. That's it. We don't do consulting. We don't do training. Uh, but we're data atheists. Uh, what I mean by data atheists is that uh, we don't care what the data says uh, because we're not selling anything off the data. Our job is to provide the most accurate picture to you so that you can then turn around and do something with it. Because I I operate under the paradigm, the mindset that the quality of decisions that business owners make is directly related uh, to the quality of the information they have. And if we can improve the information you possess and your ability to use it, then you're just going to run a better company. The other product that we have is a, a series of do-it-yourself products, which are job aids that simply says if you want to, if you find if the diagnostic says that your branding isn't very good and you need to work on it, uh, and you say, well, how do I do that? Well, you have two options. One is you go out and hire a branding expert, which isn't a bad decision uh, if you have the money. Um, you can go there. On the other hand, if you say, no, we can't, we, don't, we can't afford that, but we need to do it, what do we do? Our job aid is simply take you through a process to say, okay, if you're going to build a brand, this is what you do. If you're going to build process quality, this is what you're going to do. So no matter what it is that we measure, we have a job aid that says, all right, if you're going to do it yourself, here's how you do it yourself. And so if you're interested, a couple things you can do. One is you can check out our website, which is appliedknowledgelabs.com. You can drop me an email which uh, somebody, either I or somebody from the staff, will get right back to you. That's eastman at aklabs.org. That's aklabs.org. Or you can call us on our Skype hotline. And we're very much into this world of free on the Internet for the areas where it makes sense. And so you can dial us up at 804-471-1660. That's 804 Four seven one one six six zero. Okay, so let's get to our third and last, and our newest. I wanted to save this one for last, and that is um, the attribute. And right now, what we're going to name this, and I, I'm in the naming conventions. How we come up with names is always a challenge. Is um, brand thought leadership. Now I'm going to work on that a little bit, but that's where we are right now. It's very descriptive, it just isn't catchy from a marketing sense. And that's about using various publishing avenues to share your knowledge and establish an image of thought leadership. I'll say that again, is that using the various publishing avenues that are presented to a company, you got the traditional ones that we normally associate with marketing, which is part of that, but really what we're seeing here is a whole revolution of how business is jumping into the free information publishing uh, opportunities that the web provides. And so what what we're talking about here is there's three levels to it. One is the company. How is the company establishing itself as a thought leader in its industry? Now, I can't tell you exactly what you want to say here because it's a function of your value proposition. It's a function of what is it that um, you've decided that you're going to compete on. And uh, the example I'm going to give you is this. Uh, Our our value proposition, as I've stated in a couple other shows, is that we we focus on two things. Of the three opportunities, and let me review those, you can compete on price because you run a very tight, efficient operation. You compete on the quality of your products, the quality and features of your products and services because you spend a lot of time doing R&D and development of stuff. Or you can compete on the customer's experience. How, it's called customer intimate. But how much do you bundle kind of a unique experience around all of this? And what the literature shows, and our research did when we looked at these companies, is that uh, the rule of thumb here is you have to be decent at all three. However, you can't be excellent at all three because they're contradictory business models that if you run a, a, a very efficient organization and that's your objective, you can't, you can't do the other two. You can only do one of the other two. Or if you're into product quality, you can't do the other two. You've got to pick one. And so what the best of the best companies have is they have a primary value proposition and then they have a secondary. And in the primary, they're clearly better than anybody else. And the secondary they're pretty damn good they're at least as good as anybody else and on the third one it's not bad enough that it's a distractor Our competitive advantage our valued uh, proposition is we run a very operationally efficient organization um, and it's paying dividends for us today because uh, given the present marketplace and the people that we sell to are not um, are getting hammered by the economy probably worse than any of, uh, any other segment of the market is that we, we run a tight operation. Nobody builds it for less than we build it, and we believe with a higher level of quality um, or speed to market. And our price point is so low that even today, we don't get price objections from people in terms of that cost too much. Um, if we get an objection, is about their willingness to spend money. So that, is, that was one of ours. The second one is uh, our secondary is product leadership. Uh, We believe that we are every bit as competitive with anybody else in the marketplace who is selling a large corporation, which is a very competitive market. It's dominated by a few key players, and if you want to play there, your stuff's got to be really good. We believe our stuff is competitive with that uh, because we put a lot of emphasis into market research, R&D, and the development of products. Now, what does that mean? Well, given those two, if we're going to establish a thought leadership brand for the company, uh, the way that... The way that is typically done is how do we share what we've learned, given what our value proposition is, so the type of articles that we write like or the shows that we do like blog talk radio, is that we talk about the research and the things that we have done that fit our model if uh, since we're not in the customer service business, uh, we kind of shy away from that, even though we did uh, we have talked about it and we will. we publish research on. What are the best what are the best of the best doing? How do they grow quickly? Um, how do you write a, uh, how do you run a very tight company? How do you, how do you constantly become the lowest cost producer? We spend a lot of energy in this company, not a lot of money. Uh, in fact, you can do all of this for free, but we spend a lot of time and energy with blogs, social networking, uh, such as blog talk radio. We're looking at a couple of uh, online television options, and so they're free. They take time, and the question is, can you dedicate the time to it, and also, um, do you have the type of content that will interest people? So at a corporate level, you need to do that, and I think it's helpful for the company to have a corporate blog, and for the company to have non-traditional methods like blog talk radio as a way of going to market. I think number two also is that you want the owner or executives at the top level also to establish their own identity. Not necessarily totally separate from the corporation, but certainly they need to establish an identity for themselves. And so it could be that the blog site that the corporation runs, uh, maybe the CEO or owner is is a major contributor to it, or the owner has their own. Uh, what I what I've seen from perusing blog talk radio is a lot of business owners are actually the people that are doing the shows, not somebody in the marketing department or sales department. And so what you've got now is you've got the owner of the company, like I'm doing, talking about what we do, and establishing a personal uh, a personal relationship. And so what the owner begins to do is establishes a brand for themselves, which can only help the company. And I think at the third level here is that there's nothing wrong with, in fact, fact, I think you want to promote employee, uh, employees doing the same thing. In fact, I think you need to help develop some of the people inside your firm for them to become subject matter experts. And if you can do that, if you can help them establish them first themselves professionally that they are really good at what they do and part of that is personal initiative by them, but certainly part of that is corporate support, and then I think giving them a venue is excellent. And so they can do the same thing. Other avenues open to you is, for example, speaker bureaus. Um, either, either you're doing it for fee or you're doing it uh, for free, but it's that, those type, type of activities that establish the company in the marketplace and you view it view it as a marketing approach, not a sales approach, because... Marketing has two purposes. Pur- purpose number one is to establish an image in the marketplace. Number two is to drive sales. Okay, so as we come up to the end of our time, I am looking at my clock. So let me say that the, the first issue with this is, is collecting market research. And we've covered that in a lot of show, uh, different shows about the need to collect it. Um, uh, specifically, the shows a competitive landscape, which was show 616213 and product to knowledge 616216. But really, the second issue is application, and that's what we've been talking about here. How do you apply that? How do you express that? How do you go out there with basically a multimedia approach? So when people think about an issue that you solve, a product that you offer, the first thing that comes into mind is the company or the owner or somebody that's on your staff. So our next show, we're going to be off next week. We're going to be back on the 17th of August, and we're going to talk about migration management. Moving on the leading edge of the market, as the, mar- the value migrates, so does your company. It's about going to where the puck is. So with that, uh, have a business thing, wealth and prosperity to all.